Hello, this is Jason Gewertz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This episode features a conversation with Matt Farrell, the executive director of World Long Drive and general manager of Alternative Golf at the Golf Channel. World Long Drive has some of the most entertaining events in sports, let alone the most entertaining events in golf. Think loud music, screams of accomplishment, and golf balls flying nearly 500 yards at a shot. But before we begin our conversation, here's a word from this episode's sponsor. Make waves with your next sports event in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sports planners are quickly discovering what makes Myrtle Beach the ideal place for sports events. Diverse facilities and fields, affordable accommodations, tons of attractions, and 60 miles of pristine beaches that are sure to please. Set new attendance records when you choose Myrtle Beach. Learn more at visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. That's visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. Matt Farrell has one of the most interesting jobs in sports and certainly in the golf industry. Farrell has been with World Long Drive since 2018 after spending 13 years as chief marketing officer at USA Swimming and five years with the then U.S. Olympic Committee as associate director of entertainment properties. But the opportunity to take the helm at World Long Drive, which features men and women hitting the heck out of golf balls for distance, was too much to pass up on. Farrell not only oversees the tour and its events, he also has the intriguing title of General Manager of Alternative Golf at the Golf Channel, which owns and operates World Long Drive. As he explains in this conversation, the concept of alternative golf is to keep programming alive, particularly Monday to Wednesday, the days off for traditional golf events. World Long Drive has somehow been around for more than 40 years, but the current product is fresh, and if you've ever seen it on television or in person, really compelling. In this conversation, Farrell will discuss how the tour has been dealing with the event cancellations that are affecting the entire sports event industry, how World Long Drive settles on its venues for competition, and how some of the hottest issues in sports, from drug testing to esports to sports betting, are playing a part in his competitions as well. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Matt Farrell, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, looking forward to talking a little bit here about World Long Drive and some of the programs that you've been involved with there. We are recording this in late March. And of course, the story of the moment across the sports world and across the world in general is the uh, coronavirus and its uh, impact on our daily lives, but uh, especially its impact on the sports event industry. So Matt, let's just uh, let's just start there. I obviously want to talk with you about your events, and we'll get there as well. But it seems like we need to start this conversation with a little uh, uh, reality check here on what's been happening. What have the last couple of weeks been like for you and in, in your role? You know, outside of the obvious of how it impacts personal, family, et cetera, you know, not to dismiss that. On on certainly on the work side, you know, we have a global property uh, that we're running with qualifiers for a world championship happening all over the world and world ranking points and events and TV events uh, that air on Golf Channel and NBC. And so we're like everyone else in a, how do you shuffle that schedule? Um, How do you maintain the integrity of qualification processes for major, major events? So we're in that uh, work from home dance to reshuffle schedule when nobody knows when the schedule will be implemented, you know, type of a process, just like uh, many other sports are going through. 
Yeah, and you're certainly obviously not the only event organizer faced with some difficult calls when it comes to your events. Can you walk me through just a little bit on how you've gone about making the decisions on your own events as, as we speak now? You've had to cancel your first event of the season this year, but who are you getting advice from? I mean, how many people are involved in those decisions on your end? You know, fortunately, we have it fairly streamlined. Um, World Long Drive is a property that's owned and operated by Golf Channel and NBC Sports. And But as big as that might sound, we've actually been very nimble in terms of decision making. And it, it might sound a little bit cliche, but every decision we make is what's what's best for the athletes in the sport. And that may seem odd coming from a TV broadcaster, but you have to protect the integrity of your sport first, then you have a TV product. And and so that's the mindset that we have to go through. The athletes in the sport are sometimes working other jobs, and this is a supplemental or their number one source of income. And so it's a little different animal that we have to think about of what's best for them, protect them, and put them in the best position to be uh, successful yet stay safe. Sure. Have they been, uh, the athletes at least been understanding of some of these decisions that you've had to make? Uh, they have, uh, we, we still get the random text of, Hey, Matt, when are we going to get back in action? And, you know, I, it's, it's well-intentioned, but it's, you know, we're with the rest of society and can't really give that a straight answer. And so it's, it's frustrating in that regard because you want to provide, calm, clear direction, but we're in just such a world of unknown. It's hard to do that. And we just try to put put them in the best position we can. Yeah, I think that's the toughest part of the current situation is just that unknown of you know how long things will be affected, whether it's weeks or months, and especially for an organization like yours, which has, you know, one of your larger events a month or so, it's it, I can't even imagine how tricky that is just to figure out the logistics. Yeah, you sit here and you, again, uh, with athletes all over the world, not just a domestic property, what's the contingency plan if we only hold five events? What's the contingent plan if we only hold our world championships? And thinking through all of those pieces, and you almost have to have chips placed in on several numbers just to be ready for any scenario. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about World Long Drive itself, because it is such a cool property. If you've ever seen it on TV, it's fantastic on television. It looks like so much fun uh, on site as well. But for those, <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about that, but for those unfamiliar, Matt, give give us kind of the, uh, the description, if you will, of World Long Drive, what it is and, and who's involved with it. Yeah, it, it's such a property. E- even when I was looking at this opportunity, I did a little bit of a secret shopper uh, appearance at, a, at an event just to see what it was all about. But it is, we have the similarity of holding a golf club uh, in the athlete's hand and hitting a ball as far as we can. But that's where the similarities tend to stop with traditional golf. It's mm-hmm. loud, it's music pumping, the athletes are yelling at their golf ball and celebrating and it's very animated it i like to call it culturally it's it, it's what snowboard is to skiing with what world mm-hmm. long drive is to traditional golf yeah I can there's see some that. similarities but it's younger um the audiences are younger than traditional golf and and there's an edge and an excitement and a volume to it of watching Men, for the most part, uh, winning drives will be 400 yards plus. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> 400 yards. <laughs> depending on the conditions, we had one 474 uh, last season, um, kind of in a desert climate. And the women hitting anywhere from 300 to 350 uh, to win competition. So it, imagine every par four you play in your local golf course of nearly being able to drive the green on almost all of them. Yeah, unbelievable. You mentioned your secret shopping. So your background, uh, I know, comes uh, in part in the Olympic movement at the Olympic Committee and, and years at USA Swimming. What was your familiarity with World Long Drive at the time? You mentioned you at least went out to to take a look at it once the opportunity presented itself. You know, I was a 20 plus year Olympic sport person and, and love it. And that's been such a, oh, just such a fulfilling career path. Um, but I was like most people, um, I should say, in sports who've been flipping channels and fall into that. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that on on, on TV a few times. Mm-hmm. And I was in that bucket and knew of it, wanted to explore it. And the more I dug down about the unique nature of it being of the league being owned by Golf Channel and NBC Sports, it puts it in a very small category of properties that the we are both the league and the broadcaster and the synergies that that provides is just has just been an amazing way to build an emerging sport and introduce and relatively new to consumers uh, a new property but one that's been around for 45 years yeah uh, the television end of it matt it looks so good Uh, you know i was at a uh, hotel bar about a year ago in Colorado Springs, uh, where you spent a lot of time and they had a couple of different sports programs on. And one of them was one of your world long drive events. And I'm telling you, the whole place was kind of glued to it. You kind of couldn't turn away from uh, <laughs> watching these people just, you know, hit a golf ball as far as they could. You've got, you know, the graphics of kind of that football field, uh, layout on it. It is, uh, it's really compelling on television, but tell me a little bit about the TV product. So that I know in the, when the league started, a lot of these events were, were tape delay, but are, what's happening now? Are these events broadcast live? Are they, are they rebroadcast? What's happening? Well, now? yeah, on, on a normal year and obviously 2020 is anything but a normal year. We'll, we'll have anywhere from five to six, uh, live television broadcast per year. And then there are another 20 events or more that, that are qualifiers or lead up events that, that don't get televised. But those TV events really were part of a long-term strategy at Golf Channel to program live sports Monday through Wednesday. As you know, there's more Thursday to Sunday golf tournaments uh, going on around the world under normal circumstances that for a golf channel programming Monday through Wednesday became very important. And in a Netflix and Amazon prime uh, type society, live sports is still a major key to programming. So we do broadcast them live and then do multiple uh, re-airs across golf channel, uh, do some highlight end of year highlight shows on, on NBC sports that are packaged. But really this is all part of a longer strategy to have different versions of golf or we call alternative golf, uh, mm-hmm. program live Monday through Wednesday. Yeah. I love that notion of alternative golf. Uh, cause that, that does sort of describe what this is. Let's talk a little bit about the, the venues you need. You talk about needing obviously 400 yards <laughs> worth of space, <laughs> if not more, uh, depending on where things are going. Uh, are all these events at a golf course? I mean, does that kind of lend itself to that? 
it, it's it's a little bit of a mix. Uh, you'll certain long term, you'll start to see more um, indoor simulators come into play, but really, it's a bit of a bit of a mix of you take a typically a par five at a golf course. It helps when it's you know hole one or two or hole ten or eleven that it's near clubhouse type of amenities um, and turn that into a grid. And, you know, it's usually 500 yards wide by anywhere from 45 to 60 to 70 yards wide. Um, and then you see multi-purpose type facilities where a few soccer fields that are pieced together and you get more of a flat and the, the playing field is called the grid. And so sometimes that has natural terrain of undulations um, an elevation change on a golf course. And sometimes it's a very flat soccer field type surface. And we like the variety of that. And it kind of just brings out different attributes for different um, hitters, which was what we call the athletes in the sport. Right. And what's your approach to the the live event experience for the times where you have spectators, which of course, uh, hopefully will be back again soon for your sport and for all sports. But what's been the philosophy there for those who are actually coming? First of all, you know, how many people can actually attend the event in person and what's the atmosphere like there? So the first of all, the, the, the atmosphere is is very loud and the music is cranked even while the, the hitters are competing. And in between hitters, we've got our announcer, Mark Sherman, comes from the beach volleyball world, and he's hyping the crowd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you're you not going to see any of the quiet please uh, placards being uh, held up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I imagine not. Um, uh, quite, quite the opposite. You know, a- attendance-wise, um, it's, it's really all gathered around one tee box, having people really down the grid like you'd see – you know, lining the fairways at a PGA tour event, um, is not, is not, is not advised, um, based on how far these balls are going. Yeah. Uh, but it's usually, you know, it can, it can be anywhere from a thousand to a couple thousand people packed around the tee box, uh, general admission, VIP hospitality, uh, those type of traditional amenities that you'd see just, uh, almost horseshoe, uh, the tee box, if you will. And Matt, tell me a little bit about the the markets you're in. I mean, looking at your schedule, at least, you know, as it was drawn up this year, uh, Mesquite, Nevada, Columbia, South Carolina, I see Atlantic City uh, in there. I know you've been to Kingsport, Tennessee for a number of years. Um, what are you looking for in in a host city or a host course? How does that, uh, how does that decision get made? Yeah, it, it, it's a little bit of a combination of some of the more, you know, technical venue items that we just spoke about. And then it really comes down to what's a community or a corporate partner trying to achieve in the, in the partnership. And one of the important things about world long drive is certainly we're on golf channel and NBC, but we're also broadcast in 60 other countries around the world. So you see partners that come in like such as Atlantic city that really treated as a national and a global brand play and want to bring an event to Atlantic City. Columbia is, there's a military base of Fort Jackson, and that's been a partnership uh, with MCOM and the exchange to bring a a series of events, uh, including 12 qualifiers to U.S. military bases. Mm -hmm. So it really varies. And then in the case of Kingsport, Tennessee, it's a brand play for children's nice longer children's hospital and also the rebrand of that 
region. So the corporate partners, venue aside, and then the partners that really want to achieve global reach with an entry point into the golf world that's unique and younger is really that sweet spot of, of partners and locations. How are you doing all those overhead shots? Are you just bringing a bunch of cranes to, a, to shoot the stuff from above? <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a couple, couple things, usually uh, two, uh, two cranes. And, you know, we, we do sponsor recognition on the grass, on the grid. We, that's really, as one of our events guys said, that's, that's our race car. Uh, if we were NASCAR, um, well, it's hard to fit all those corporate logos on a golf ball, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. When, when a sponsor says, make my logo bigger, there's only so much you can do on the golf ball. Um, (laughs) uh, but really we'll have one big crane typically behind the tee box and then one down grid. And then we'll have a series of people calling the balls, you know, from the tee box to ball callers down, down grid who are identifying where the ball's landing, where it's coming to and flying. But yeah, usually a two crane setup um, in terms of the aerials. And, uh, and then of course we do some really phenomenal drone footage before and after competitions. Right. Yeah. That ball calling seems to be a talent in itself just to get used to being able to follow the path of a ball sometimes. Well, you think 400 yards and sometimes you're looking and you can almost barely see the person on the tee box. And so it's a real communication dance, if you will, of if you can barely even see the the hitter on the tee box where that ball is coming from 400 yards away. And so there's a lot of communication uh, for safety and for the integrity of the sport of where that ball is coming. It's high, it's right, it's rolling fast, it's off the grid, it's on the grid left or whatever it might be. You're listening to the Sports Travel Podcast with Matt Farrell of World Long Drive. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Make waves with your next sports event in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sports planners are quickly discovering what makes Myrtle Beach the ideal place for sports events. Diverse facilities and fields, affordable accommodations, tons of attractions, and 60 miles of pristine beaches that are sure to please. Set new attendance records when you choose Myrtle Beach. Learn more at visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. That's visitmyrtlebeachsports.com. Just uh, getting back for a moment to your venues, are your relationships, Matt, mostly with the specific golf courses? Are they with a sports commission or a, or a CVB or is it a little bit of both? I think the, the sports commission route is probably one of the untapped areas of the sport in general. For the most part, it tends to be sponsor or you know destination driven such as my Atlantic City example. So I think there's just untapped opportunity to work with sports commissions who are looking for unique events. While we do have some unique physical requirements for the venue, um, it's production-wise, it's easier than covering an 18-hole golf tournament you know, across 400 acres. So in that regard, it's a little bit untapped with the sports commissions and CVBs. Um, and it's been a little more sponsor, national, global brand play. Where are your athletes coming from? Are these men and women who were professional golfers trying to be professional golfers? Or are they just the people at the range who uh, you always admire because they're 
hitting the back of the fence? Like, where, where are these people coming from? <laughs> That's a, it's a great question because y- you get such a mix. And I would say most come out of traditional golf in some way, shape or form. And they've just, they have one extremely impressive skill that outweighs, outweighs the others and not to downplay the others, but they just, they've shown that they, how far they can hit it. And then we tend to get a real mix of baseball players, former MLB player, John Buck, um, mm-hmm. you know, hits, hits in the, in the series, hockey players on the women's side, we get people from CrossFit. And so it's really a unique mix of very athletic and explosive type athletes. And when you start looking at how many balls they hit in qualifying just to reach the final, I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, you've got to be able to run a hundred meters eight times a day at your peak to qualify. It's very explosive, but there's an endurance and a, and a strategy to it. And the athletes are just, just such a varied, varied backgrounds. Are they just the worst putters in the world? These people? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's the funny thing. Uh, And they, they will roll their eyes uh, when they get asked that question. Um, But, uh, but no, you've, you've got some very phenomenal scratch and better type golfers out of that group group as well. It's just there. They drive for show um, in, in this one. And it's amazing show. Yeah. Here's, here's another question that they must get tired of, of getting asked, but I have to ask you, cause I don't know the answer. Is there, is there drug testing in this sport? I mean, some of these people who are hitting are uh, have biceps that are, you know, to be <laughs> admired uh, from afar. So uh, you know, what, I, what's I, going I on there? Yeah. There, there are mainly two main questions that tend to come up over and over again. And one is, are they, are they hitting legal equipment? And that's a unequivocal yes. Every piece of equipment from shaft to golf ball to driver head, uh, that is all USGA compliant. And so that tends to be a question. Uh, yeah. The shaft tends to be uh, slightly longer than what somebody might play with on a regular uh, Saturday round by a, an inch or two, but it's all within regulation. And the, and the second part of your question is we are implementing a, an anti-doping program this year. And so we see the future of this sport, whether it be Olympic aspirations down the road or really just building out the future of the sport. We just firmly believe that that's a, a key part of the progress of the sport and working with the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency to implement a program this season. Yeah, I, Matt, I hadn't actually thought about you know the possibility of this being at the Olympic stage, but it seems even from the Paralympic world uh, as well, that it's not inconceivable that, you know, a, a sport like this, a, a discipline like this could actually have some play there. Yeah. And that's the, really how we look at it. I think we're also realistic that, that, that may be, uh, you know, a decade or more down the road, uh, but to be a discipline where you can be part of an existing, a discipline within an existing sport where you can, effectively use existing venues, not have to create too much, assuming you have a good par four, par five to hold it, can keep a moderate athlete count to things and also have uh, a gender mix with men and women equally represented. So it's, it's, it's down the road for sure, but it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities to think about how we want to position this long-term. 
Is there any crossplay with the popularity of a place like Top Golf? I mean, you see these places that are just packed, and you know, the few times I've been there, you almost never see anyone aiming for the first hole or two. They all seem to be aiming for the back fence. Um, is there <laughs> is there any any uh, connection there between the popularity of that uh, you know more recreational endeavor and what you guys are doing? Top Golf has been phenomenal just for the sport in general and in introducing people who would never who would never do it. Um, Top Golf right now tends to be one of the most compelling draws for social media with the athletes and hitters in World Long Drive of mm-hmm. actually hitting it out of the Top Golf Must drive the Top Golf lawyers uh, <laughs> crazy <laughs> even thinking they about it. They haven't called us off. Uh, there's a Lockheed Martin right behind the Top Golf in Orlando where we're based. And we just think that one of these days we're going to get a call from Lockheed Martin, but it just hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe they could be a corporate sponsor for. <laughs> exactly. You see it as an opportunity. Um, another, another avenue I'm curious about, Matt, is there any talk or is there already any components relating to esports? You know, there's a, an avenue that I could see having a potential connection as well. Yeah, it, it, it's really good good timing of that. So if you saw my business card, there's a long title on it about general manager of alternative golf, which I is- I did notice, which is great. Yeah, uh, which is also trying to identify those future properties that are live, can be unique and programmed on Monday through Wednesday. Uh, most of my effort is on World Long Drive, but how we bring- Esports in the same way that NASCAR did with an iRacing series this past weekend. Yeah, um, the golf simulators uh, for actual competition and games, everything from World Golf Tour to Golden Tee uh, to the golf club. There's a future in that of how we evolve the sport and programming of golf and Golf Channel and make it younger. And so those are admittedly at the whiteboard or the drawing board stage right now, but something that I think you can realistically expect to see in the in the coming years from a golf programming standpoint to diversify and attract younger audiences. Matt, what about sports betting? Is Are people betting on this competition? There's another avenue, you know, we've been covering pretty heavily in the magazine as well, pretty much on all, on all fronts. Is that uh, anything that's happening in your world here as well? You know, like many sports, there's uh, there, there's more of a black market betting um, on mm-hmm. long drive right now. And so that's something that we've been aggressively going down the path of working with a partner um, all over the world, Sport Radar, to look at our rules, to look at our codes of conduct, look at our sport and position the sport for sports betting uh, to proactively go into that market. Again, it plays to an off days on the schedule in terms of Monday through Wednesday. It's a very simple sport to understand and bet on yardage, yardages, winners, over-unders, percentage of of balls on the grid. And then really being, again, having the benefit of that uh, corporate parent of Golf Channel and NBC Sports. It's very lucrative and that's a path that we're aggressively going down. Again, not knowing what's going to happen this particular season, but the plan is to roll it out this season of legalized sports betting in those states and across the world. Were you a uh, were you a golfer before you took up this position? Ever go out to the driving range or, uh, or on the court? Um, still, still am. Um, lifelong golfer to no degree of accomplishment, but I love the game. appreciate it. I had a 
box arrive with a training aid at the house, uh, you know, a week or so ago, made my wife roll her eyes. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one of those avid junkies who absolutely love it. And how is your, how's your long drive? Okay. That's the first qualifier that I have to tell people on the T they're like, Oh, this is Matt. He, he works at golf channel. He works at world long drive. And I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa let, can we reset expectations? Um, I, I, I was, I was, I think I was hired for my skill behind a desk, uh, not with a driver in my hand. (laughs) Well, uh, whatever you're doing seems to be working. I mean, the, as I said, the events look great on television. Uh, they must be a blast to be at in person. And, and hopefully as the world starts to uh, write itself here, we'll get back to a full schedule here in the, in the weeks and months to come. So Matt, I, I wish you the best of luck with everything you're involved with here. It seems like every place you've been has been a success and and so far so good here at World Long Drive. So just good luck to you here in the in the weeks ahead and we'll very much look forward to seeing what comes next from you guys. Oh, Jason, I, I, I really appreciate the time. It's fun to talk about and especially being something of a 45-year-old startup type of an emerging sport has been so much fun to do. So I greatly appreciate the time. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which also features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sportstravel on Twitter and Instagram, and at sportstravelmagazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Jason Gewertz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.